Welcome to episode number three of the DFS podcast here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. I'm Derek Tate alongside the one and only Kyle Soppy. Find him on Twitter at Kyle Soppy PFN. We are heading into week number two. It was an ex- a big week one full of DFS chalk plays, it felt like. But I, if you listen to my stack of Tua and Tyreek Hill, yeah, I'm I think you did okay. <laughs> I think you did okay if you went with that stack. But Soppy, I'm excited to talk a little DFS for week number two. Yeah, let's get it rolling. I mean, we we saw we have actual intel to go off of, not this nonsense from August that it's like, oh, some guesswork. Maybe he's running with the twos, running with the threes. We've got actual game film to go off of. Like you said, you crushed that side of that game, and I think we're in a good spot here. I think we're moving in the right direction. This week's going to be better than next, and week three will be better than week two. It's the way it is. Absolutely. Unless you've already made your million dollars off of us, then go ahead True. and just enjoy yeah. it. And, and, you know, go ahead and like subscribe, you know, hit the hit the little bell so you don't miss any of the any time we drop any fantasy football content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. But let's go ahead and start swinging for the fences. Come out firing out the gate. Who's your stack for week number two that you really like in one of these DFS formats? I'm a roll with the Lions. Like, it's a weird thing to say because the Lions have been bad forever, but They're just a different team indoors. I'm going to read to you their point totals last season when they were playing at Detroit. You got 15, 25 points. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Here are the next ones. 27, 34, 35, 36, 40, 41, 45. We're talking over 33 points per game this offense produced at home. And they've got an alpha receiver. They've got a target machine in a Monroe St. Brown. So why get cute? Jared, got, when I'm stacking my quarterback, I prefer to do it with a pocket passer if I can. That way I don't have to worry about the rushing, subtracting from the target count that goes to my receiver. So Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown against the Seahawks. It costs you 14 k on DraftKings. Very reasonable price point there because of golf. Goff. Over 28% target share in week one for Amon Ross St. Brown against the Chiefs. I think we see more of that. And Seattle just gave up 334 passing yards to the Cooper Cupless Rams. You're telling me Goff can't do that? And if he does... Amon Ra hitting the 100-yard bonus. I'm looking at maybe 8 to 10 catches. Paying off that price tag in spades. Give me Goff to Brown for my stack in week two. Okay, okay. I got a stack attack for you. Last All week, right, hit me. It's, it's going to be tough to top the one I did last week. But, I don't think you'll top uh, it the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, that, right? Um, but I'm going to go ahead and roll with Trevor Lawrence. All right. Alvin, Alvin sure. Ridley. So Trevor Lawrence at $6,700. Now you mentioned Jared Goff does a lot of his damage from the pocket, but he is certainly capable of giving you some rushing production. That's a little bit sneaky. Vegas has one has this game between the Jags and the Kansas City Chiefs as one of the highest High over-under yeah. lines heading into week number two. I know that was the case for the Kansas City Chiefs when they played the Detroit Lions, but that was without Travis Kelsey. It looks like Kelsey is trending in the right direction. So I expect this to be a little bit higher scoring contest like they expected sure. in week number one. But really, the involvement of Calvin Ridley in week number one Eight receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Like you said, wanting to hit that 100-yard threshold is something we want to target. Right now, he's only $7,200 to go along with Trevor Lawrence, who's at $6,700. So I'm not a math major, but that's $13,900 of your DraftKings salary. Right where I am, yep. Right. So right in that same range. So, I mean, whether your your cup of tea is Jared Goff playing in Detroit indoors or whether it's you think Trevor Lawrence can potentially send the Chiefs to 0-2 with the services of Calvin Ridley now in the lineup. I like both of those stacks heading into week number two. But with your stack of the Detroit Lions, who do you like at the running back position? 
I think you've got a chance to bring it back in a rather unique way here. We've got the Lions are five and a half point favorites. So a lot of people might go the other way. If you're going to stack and bring back this game, think that Jameer Gibbs gets them ahead with the running game and then bring it back with Geno, DK, and Lockett. I'm going to go the other way. I've got Goff and St. Brown potentially playing from behind if Seattle's going to pull off an upset here, get a little unique there, and go Kenneth Walker. He's only 5,800, running back 17 on DK. He's a top 10 guy for me this week. And I, I just liked what I saw and the volume, the role was there that we weren't sure it would be. He had nine carries before Zach Charbonnet got his second one. He's very clearly the alpha and he's only going to get healthier as the season goes on here. Seattle ran for 235 yards and three scores when these two teams met a season ago. If Walker picks up half of that, he's paying off his price tag easy and he's putting pressure on this Detroit offense to go through the air. So I've got my stack with the Lions bring back with the Seahawks with Walker putting pressure on the Lions to score and keep up. Easy game. Okay. All right. So you're just staying, staying in the you're game. Camp, you're setting up camp in Detroit. By the I way, I've been to Detroit. Not a bad city. Not a bad city. But I'm going to pivot away from the Jags Chiefs contest. I'm going to go with another one where I expect an, a bounce-back performance from an entire offensive unit that really disappointed in week number one, and I'm looking at you, Josh Allen, and the Buffalo Bills. Give me James Cook. Okay. I was very encouraged by his role and how he kind of dominated the work out of this backfield in their season opener against the New York Jets. 12 carries, four receptions on six targets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the efficiency wasn't there, but that was against a stingy Jets defense. I expect the Buffalo Bills to be far more productive against the Las Vegas Raiders in week, week number two. And I, those scoring opportunities, while, yeah, maybe he's not the preferred guy inside the five-yard line, I think the efficiency is going to be there this week mm -hmm. against the Raiders' defense. And he's gonna, I think he's going to be involved in the passing game, similar to how he was in week number one. So at $6,100, I'd see the Buffalo Bills putting up a like a 35, 38 spot on the Raiders this weekend. Yeah, no, I, I like that call. I think I played around with some Bills stacks through the passing game. It got a little pricey a little quick. I think there's still a way to do that. But if you want exposure and a one-off on this Bills offense, James Cook, a great way to do it. If he's going to get 16 to 20 opportunities against the Raiders, he's paying off this price tag, and I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah, speaking of paying off that price tag, and, and wherever you want to see your line this week, we've got a pretty interesting player prop that you need to check out Hit over me. at Superdraft. The NFL is back, as we all know, and Superdraft has an exclusive free play to win up to 100 times your entry for PFN listeners. Imagine this. You know, Justin Jefferson's current receiving line is just at, you know, half a yard. That was week one. Now, week number two, the promo code for Superdraft. Yeah, what do you got? Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is mm -hmm. at half a passing yard mm, against like the Jacksonville Jaguars. You like it. I like I it do. too. I do. But wait, there's more. Sign up now and score an instant $20 deposit bonus on deposits of 20 or more dollars when you use promo code PFN. Now, don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Smash a winning player prop entry and claim your free play and bonus today. So... Have you signed up and started playing Superdraft, or are you in, unfortunately in one of those states that they haven't quite gotten to yet? They're working on legalization here. I'm working on signing up. I hope to be active by game two, and I'm I, over a half passing yard. I don't think Patrick Mahomes, we think he could win MVPs like Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think his week two is going quite like Aaron Rodgers week one. So I'll go 
over a half passing yard. Hot take there for Patrick Mahomes. There you go. So also, if you want to go ahead and sign up, I can say that you uh, have residency in my guest bedroom, you know, and you are a resident of Virginia where you can play. Go ahead and sign up. Use the promo code. Yes, let's do this. So speaking of let's do this, let's go ahead and kind of pivot back to DraftKings. We're going to talk about the quarterback position and who's in your player pool. Who are some of the plays that you really like heading into this Sunday slate? I'll throw it over to you. And I, I have a couple of good ideas of where you might go, but I'm interested to see who is your kind of top priority and maybe has the highest upside alongside your stack of Jared Goff. Yeah, we're going to start at the quarterback position here. And I'm going Justin Herbert. I think he's going to be pretty chalky. He's a top five quarterback in the pricing markets here. They're... They ran, they were a run first offense in week one. Like that's, that's not the Chargers. That's not Kellen Moore. That's not Justin Herbert. That's not, that might've been more of a product of trying to keep the Dolphins off the field, which it didn't work. It just didn't work. You can't mess with those Dolphins right now, but Justin Herbert with, we've got the Austin Eckler injury. So if Josh Kelly's in there, we're looking at a pass first, pass second, pass third option against a Titans team. That's great against the run. Bad against the pass. To me, everything lines up there. Tennessee gave up just 2.6 yards per carry at New Orleans last season. I don't or last week. I don't think you need to do much to get the Chargers to decommit from the run game and trust Justin Herbert's right arm. It's seven games north of 290 passing yards. I think he gets another one this or he gets his first one of the season in week two and pays off 7K pretty easily. You know, I was kind of fighting the urge to do the waddle dance, like as sure. we're recording. You, you can't see it if you're listening to the podcast, but if you're watching, then you just saw me do a terrible impersonation of Jalen Waddle's touchdown dance. But I, I, so that Tennessee Titans defense, I actually thought that the New Orleans Saints left a little bit of meat on the bone. Agreed. That secondary still looks like it's having some issues on the back end. And if you're having any issues on the back end against Justin Herbert, it Problem. could be a very, very long day at the office. Moving on, I have a feeling you might be heading back to Detroit. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to like points in that game, I'm taking the quarterback on the other side. Geno Smith also in my player pool, partly because he's good, and I think he's better than he was last week. He's got some rushing upside that he didn't show us last week, but did show us last year. And he's got concentrated targets. It's going to be DK. It's going to be Lockett. You know where the passes are going. So he's a very easy stack option. And another easy stack option and people laughed at me last week, and I doubled my money on the lineup I had with Baker Mayfield in it last week. I'm going back to the well. Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, that stack, it, it could be productive against the Bears. I don't think they're going to light the world on fire, but it does open you up to do so much. In that lineup, I had Tyreek Hill with in that Dolphins game just because I had root for him. Not because I needed to stack him with anybody, but because the cheap price tag of realistically Baker and both pass catchers opens it up. Right now I've got a lineup with that stack in it that has Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs in it, two of my top five running backs for the week. So if I, if it opens me up to upside like that, Baker coming in at $5,100 is worth a shot for me. So I find it, I'm intrigued by this Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Chicago Bears game, right? Because I think that Fields throwing a, not only was it a, you know, a season high for you know, obviously everything's a season high in week one, number one, I don't know where I'm going with that, but his 37 pass attempts in week one were more than any single game that he had in 2022. It's just weird that DJ Moore only saw two of those looks. I expect a much bigger week from DJ Moore heading into week number two. Now my tater special, I'm going to call it the tater special okay. because you're, you're, you're the DFS guy. I'm going to go ahead and lean on your expertise, but sure. I'm going to just sneak in a picky play here or there. 
And maybe this one's picky flying under the radar. It just feels like this guy is getting overlooked all the time. And his name is Brock Purdy. He's going to be going up against the Los Angeles Rams. I understand they did a very admirable job against Geno Smith and company and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what we've seen is a reliable floor from Brock Purdy. He's thrown at least two touchdown passes in every single start that he's had in his NFL career. I think that this back end is uh, the secondary for the Rams is very inexperienced, and they are going to be tested for a second straight week, this time by Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and mm -hmm. even Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. I just think that there's going to be a lot of production after the catch for the San Francisco 49ers. So you're not asking Purdy to chuck 50, 60 yard bombs. You're just asking him to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers. And I think he does that in week number two. Yeah, I don't mind that call at all. I actually love Purdy in cash games. Like if you're playing 50-50 double ups, you know what you're getting from Purdy. And at a cheap price tag, it does open you up to get and explore upside in other spots. So I like the Purdy call. I, I don't think he wins you a million dollars this week, but I think he could easily cash those multipliers and things like that. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I know you're the Purdy guy this week, and I'll, I'll bend the knee to you, but I I think Purdy's a good play. I think it's a Purdy good play, if oh, I do say dear. so myself. Oh, I appreciate it. Get it? See it? All right, moving on to the wide receiver position. Uh, we're taking a look at this player pool. I think there's a lot of intriguing matchups, but kind of who tops your list at the wide receiver position? The wide receiver position is unique this week because we've got two Monday nighters, you've got the Thursday night, and you've got Sunday night. Those games obviously aren't on the main slate. In those games, we are losing everybody of value. You're losing both Eagles. You're losing Justin Jefferson, both Dolphins. You're losing Chris Olave, who we both love all season and in this week. You're losing George Pickens, who we like. You're losing Amari Cooper. You're losing uh, access to a lot of upside. So I'm living in this middle range here. I've got Jahan Dotson queued up, ready to fire. I know we're both high on him this week. We have him ranked over Terry McLaurin, which might be a little spicy for the community here, but... Hey, we're two good-looking smart guys. Why not? I think <laughs> you're, spe you're speaking for yourself. You're good-looking. My hair is a little bit of a mess, hey, but you know. I, I digress. <laughs> hey, you got to take you, you know one to see one, right? I mean, if I if I, if you're calling me good-looking, you know, it is what it is. We here at PFN just support Spider one another. Spider-Man meme. I'm looking like there let's just point there at each is. other. Point right at the <laughs> I like it. So He's $800 cheaper than McLaurin. McLaurin's got the tough matchup with Sertan. I think Dotson opens up a lot of upside down the field. Seven targets last week. If he sees anything close to that, he's paying off this price tag easily. We saw number two option in Jacoby Myers go nuts against this Denver defense. Jahan Dotson, I think, could offer something similar. Speaking of Myers, if he's healthy, plug him in. Last week wasn't a fluke. He gets the Bills. Kind of a similar situation. Tredavious White could be circling around Devontae Adams. We're dealing with a lot of injury situations in Vegas right now, so you want to keep an eye on that situation. But I don't think Jacoby Myers was a fluke, and that's the take-home message there. Another guy, I'm going to steal off your plate here. I'm going Zay Flowers. I mean, the 48% target share isn't here to stay, but the fact that he got that in his debut, he gets the Bengals, he's, they're trying to get him the rock. To me, it, it feels a lot like peak Debo Samuel, where they're just going to, I don't care how we get you the ball. Maybe we'll hand it to you. Maybe it'll be a dump off. Maybe we'll stretch the field. Maybe, who knows? Todd Monken can do crazy things, but there's no volume to the running backs in this Baltimore, in this Baltimore offense at all. So I don't know where the targets are going to go outside of Andrews and Flowers. Sign me up for Flowers. I don't think his week one debut was a fluke at all. Him and Myers still very reasonably priced despite big week ones. And if you're throwing a dart, I was on Darius Slayton this preseason. I'm going to go back to the well. Arizona's awful. We know that. 
Slayton led the team in targets in week one. And Daniel Jones, he's improved down the field in each of his professional seasons. Slayton was ahead of er, Jalen Hylett in week one. We could argue if that's going to sustain or not. But for now, for week two, I think it does. Arizona vulnerable all over the field. If I need to throw a dart, you need to save money at receiver because you went with the expensive Chargers stack or something along those lines. Slayton, I think, is good salary relief in Arizona this weekend. You know, it's hard to really, the way you sell it, it makes it very hard to give you any sort of argument. It's my job. You. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, and Darius Slayton was the preferred option in week number one. And and certainly you can have the conversation, but until we see it from Jalen Hyatt, yep. I certainly feel more comfortable investing in Darius Slayton. But they're both kind of similar dart throws, right? Vertical mm-hmm. options that can pay off with big plays down the field against a, I think, suspect Cardinals secondary. So the Tater special at the wide receiver position, I'm going to start it off. DJ Moore. So okay. I was kind of already mentioning that he's somebody that I'm targeting heading into week number two. I think his role is going to expand last year with the likes of Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker, and Sam Darnold throwing him the football. He found the end zone against the Buccaneers in both contests. In week 17, six catches for 117 yards. Then you look back to week seven, seven catches for 69 yards and a score. So he has matched up traditionally well against this Buccaneers secondary in the past. I think he's going to do so again this week. I think his two targets in week number one, I think they're going to make it a bit more of a concerted effort. Luke Getzey and company to try to get him the ball and just let him create. I think it's going to be on all three levels of the football field. It's just going to be whether or not Justin Fields is going to play tight again like he did in week number one, or if he decides to take his shots down the football field to his new guy, and I think he does take some of those shots, and I think he hits on one of them. DJ Moore is somebody that I really like. And then if I'm stacking Brock Purdy. Got to pick one. It's the hardest part of every week. It's the hardest part every week with those stupid 49ers. Yeah, well, this one I feel a little bit more confident in because Debo Samuel has torn up the Los Angeles Rams over his last four games, averaging six and a half receptions over the last four games, 130 total yards per game and an average of a touchdown per game. I think that Debo Samuel, even though he was efficient last week in his work, Brandon Ayuk was the one that ate and exploded last week. Mm -hmm. He certainly looks great. I still pretty high on Brandon Ayuk for the rest of the year, but I think it's a Debo Samuel week against a team that he is given fits in the past. The nice part about taking a stance on a 49er like that is that you're going to get suppressed ownership because it could be any of the three guys. I'm not going to argue with you that that offense is going to be productive this week, but when you've got three different guys that could go off, why not? Uh, Like throw a dart. If you're stacking Purdy, I don't think you can stack it two ways. So you go Debo. I'm fine with that. And I think there's a little bit of a rubber band effect. People see Ayuk, they reflexive want to go that way. So if he gets over-owned, Debo comes in under. I like where you're headed there. If I had to pick a receiver in DFS this week for the 49ers, Debo's my guy. I can't remember the last time I saw Debo Samuels actually the cheaper option between him Weird, and Weird, isn't it? So that's yeah. very it's it's very interesting, right? Maybe not an over not an overreaction because I think Ayuk is great, but clearly these lines and prices they're very split on him because either guy can go off on any given week. So moving to the running back position, you already mentioned some of the guys that you're high on, but 
I'm really interested to hear your take on Saquon Barkley heading up into this matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, it's not breaking news here to say that I think the Giants are going to be in a positive game script here. Would you agree with that? I, I don't I think any one of us are uh, picking Arizona for the upset, and I actually think the Giants cover going away. So that's going to help Saquon. We know he's got the target upside, and I like where he's priced here. He's priced $100 ahead of Bijan Robinson. People are going to look at this, see the shiny new toy, hear all the analysis that all Atlanta wants to do is run the ball. Bijan scored 11 more fantasy points than Saquon last week. All the signs are pointing to people leaning on Bijan in this matchup, which I think he's fine, but I think that drives down the ownership number for Saquon. And if I'm getting him at a suppressed ownership with the upside of, I don't know, 175 yards and two scores, yeah, sign me up if the ownership's not going to be there. Saquon Barkley, a great play at the top of the board. If you're going middle to the low, I'm going Jameer Gibbs in the middle. I already touched on that game. I think he breaks out. You're a little higher on David Montgomery than I am. Reasonable minds can disagree, but we think the Lions are going to score a lot of points. And if they're going to rack up the points, Gibbs, for me, is the way to do it. He's $500 more expensive than David Montgomery. So I think the public might think like you. We saw Montgomery triple up Gibbs's carry count in week one, and that, and they get a discount? I think most people are going to lean on Montgomery there. Give me Gibbs over Montgomery for the Lions, and that's a good way to get exposure to that game. And if we're looking way down the board, not way down, but my guy Isaiah Pacheco, I he's got a long work week. He saw more catches last week than he had targets in any game last season. And I just trust the process with these Chiefs. They're going to put them in scoring position. Yeah, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, all those offenses that struggled in week one, they're going to be just fine. If you get 16 to 18 touches for Pacheco in this offense in a matchup that, like you said, we think the game's going to be in the 50s. At $5,700, Pacheco's going to be in 75% of my lineups this week, if not more. I'm leaning there. He scores. He catches. Book it. Yeah, one other player that I really want to talk about at the running back position, and I was actually very encouraged by how kind of the week one share played out after there was a lot of chatter about Tank Bigsby potentially being a real threat to Travis Etienne. Man. I thought Travis Etienne looked pretty darn Phenomenal. Good. And I so if I decide to go in a different direction than, you know, Trevor Lawrence and the Calvin Ridley stack, I will actually reverse invest into this game and into this backfield because I think that Travis Etienne is going to have himself plenty of work. Again, I think he is the better pass catching back between him and Tank Bigsby in that backfield. And I think Trevor Lawrence will get him involved in the passing game. Regardless, it's just, I want to see what he can build off of because he's been streaky during his oh, yeah. you know his last season. He was real good for like three or four weeks, then he struggled, then he was you know great for two weeks. Real streaky, build off of a, a very encouraging week one performance where I thought that he was the clear number one option in that backfield. Yeah. And, and, you know, it didn't help that Tank Bigsby lost another fumble on a weird, wacky play, but uh, I'm, I'm still going to go with investing in this game and I will go with Travis Etienne. But the tight end position, we got to round out our lineup, right? So where do you find tight end value for week number two? I'm paying up here and there's an injury to keep track of here. And Darren Waller he cropped up on the injury report again with this hamstring that's just kind of lingering. It was a factor in week one, but he still led the team in catches, targets, and receiving yards against the Cowboys. He's up there in pricing. Like I get that he's a pricey option, but I don't think he's going to be rostered because people see the shiny elite options at the top of the board that we didn't have. We were missing from our lives last week. You've got Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, both set to return. They cost a lot more. They're going to be 
a problem. But it, I, a lot of people treat the tight end position in either that you pay all the way up or you wait till the very end. That's how I did it in season long, and a lot of people do it in DFS. You're talking Waller, who I think can own an elite target share against a terrible team is what I think is going to be a touchdown or 10-point game. He's $800 cheaper on DraftKings than Mark Andrews and $2,100 cheaper than Travis Kelsey. You can't tell me that those guys are project that much higher coming off an injury than Waller. So I think Waller is a nice little value here, even though you have to pay up to get there. If you saved money at the quarterback position, you went with either one of our stacks right around 14 grand. I think you can get Waller in a lineup and be just okay. If you're paying down, you went with a heavy stack or you spent up elsewhere. Logan Thomas, almost 28% target share in week one. And he is why DFS is such a beautiful thing. I didn't draft Logan Thomas in a single season long this week or this year because I don't think the man can play two months, let alone four. I don't need him to. I need him to play four quarters on Sunday and shred the Broncos. If they're not going to go to Terry McLaurin, like we both have our concerns about Sertan shutting him down. And Jahan Dotson can only attract so much attention. Logan Thomas at this price point, I think he he can catch half of his targets and get you there. And he's a nice savings for those spending up at the stack positions or at the running back position like I did earlier with Saquon and Josh Jacobs in a single lineup. So there you go. Darren Waller at the top of the board. Logan Thomas at tight end for me. Who you got? So yeah, the Tater Special's got two tight ends for you. Two. One, two. And speaking of which, how do you know how many tight ends finished last week with 10 targets or more? Ooh, 10 targets. I uh, Did anybody get there? Uh, maybe one, one or two? Okay, one. One tight end. His name is Zach Ertz. Oh, yeah. Not the on the bingo Arizona, card. Of the Arizona Cardinals, who we didn't even... We thought that there was a real chance that he wasn't even going to be available for week number one, right? I mean, we thought that he may start the season on the pup list, IR. Instead, he was active in week number one and led the Arizona Cardinals in targets. And yeah, his final yardage total was awful i think it was less than 30 yards but he did catch six passes and in a ppr format that's good for the tight end 12th finish and i understand that the arizona passing offense is not something that i really want to invest in but the price point is somewhat there for the amount of targets that we saw with joshua dobbs under center and that's all we have to go off of with dobbs under center as the starting quarterback for the arizona cardinals so his price point at thirty five hundred dollars is certainly one that i'm willing like you said if you want to pay down at that position i'm totally okay with it and uh, the other guy i i I feel like every time i record with you i'm talking about luke musgrave (laughs) and it's for good reason in this time this time i feel like i've got a good reason We're still not sure about Christian Watson's status heading into week number two. It's very possible that he is inactive uh, dealing with that hamstring injury. And what we saw the Atlanta Falcons do, as well as they played on the defensive side of the football, the only position that they kind of were susceptible to was, (laughs) was Hayden Hurst. Five catches for over 50 yards, found the end zone, and Luke Musgrave, while only catching three passes for 50 yards, still was involved in the passing attack and left a little bit of meat on the bone on previous episodes. If you haven't checked those out yet, go ahead and check it out on our PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. But there was room for more for Luke Musgrave. He was involved in this passing offense. And I still think he's going to have a... He's going to be heavily involved in that passing attack against a Falcons defense that surrendered some production uh, to tight ends in week number one. So... At $3,200, I still think you're getting a bargain on Luke Musgrave, and the market hasn't quite adjusted on him quite yet. 
I don't hate the take. My my problem with anything Atlanta-based is just play count. Like, they just bleed the freaking clock, and you're not going to get a ton of plays any Atlanta game. That doesn't mean Musgrave can't get there. It just means fewer pass attempts. And for an off, I'm going to be more interested in Musgrave if Aaron Jones sits and they can't go the two running backs and get, get, or get Jones and Dylan upwards of 30, 35 touches in this game if they have to air it out a little bit because Jones is inactive. Then I'm a little bit more on board. I get where you're going here. The play count just generally pivots me off of Atlanta games for anything DFS related. Yeah, I mean, those teams that run the ball a lot yes. <laughs> tend yes. to bleed the clock. You know, uh, you know, maybe the Chicago Bears, cough, cough. Anywho, let's go ahead and speaking of trying to bleed the clock, and we're winding down here on this episode number three of DFS week number two here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. We got to talk about defenses. We do. And this is such an integral part of any DFS lineup is to pr- properly identify the right defense that has an opportunity to make a couple splash plays. Are there any matchups that really stand out to you in week number two? Well, the interesting part here is I've given you some cheap options. The cheap Buccaneer stack. If you go with Logan Thomas at the tight end position, you've saved some money in some spots and you can pay up to be different here. The most expensive defenses don't get rostered a lot because nobody wants to pay up for defenses because nobody knows what the heck's going to go on. I don't know if if uh, we saw it in the Jags-Colts game last week. Like the play was kind of over, it kind of wasn't. They knocked the ball out, they picked it up, they ran for a touch. That's a slate-breaking kind of play and it has nothing to do with the quality of the Colts defense. It just doesn't. So that's why people don't spend and you shouldn't spend on a regular basis at the, tight, or at the defensive position. But if you go to the top of the board and you want to go with the 49ers against these Rams, I am on board with you. They're going to score a lot of points on the Rams. And if you're telling me the Rams have to air the ball out again, I will wager my paycheck, my Derek Tate-sized paycheck here, and bet against the Rams racking up yards through the air like they did last week. If you're telling me Matthew Stafford's dropping back 40-plus times against this San Francisco defense, it is going to be a field day. You can't project defensive touchdowns, but if he got sacked five to seven times, he's putting the ball in harm's way. You're talking fumbles. You're talking turnovers. You're talking a spot where I think the defense could explode at the top of the board at a low ownership. If you're like most of us and you put in an expensive stack, you paid for some of your top guys, and you got to just kind of fill it out with some defense under 3K, give me the Chicago Bears. Like As long as you didn't do the Bucks stack, then the Bears defense, they're terrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not betting on a good defense here. I'm more betting on Tampa Bay not being able to run the ball, thus dropping back. And similar to the Rams argument, if I'm getting Baker Mayfield dropping back 40 times, there's going to be some good, but there's going to be a lot of bad too. That's a lot like Jameis Winston in years past. So if you're not sold on the idea of stacking the Bucks against the Bears, you might be able to go the other way and get rid or get away with it and a very cheap price with the bears and a lot of dropbacks for the bucks because they don't want to run the ball because they have rashad white and they can't run the ball so if you're th- if you're rolling the dice there the bears way down the board i think makes some game theory sense yeah when trying to identify a quarterback that could take a lot of sacks or turn the ball over quite a bit yeah baker mayfield's always a pretty decent bet in yeah. my opinion but i'm actually looking at trying to target rookie quarterbacks. Not and a bad idea. I, while I was encouraged by what I saw from Anthony Richardson, and I still think he's going to be a very viable fantasy option because he's already proven that he's got that elite level floor as a, oh, yeah. you know, dual threat quarterback. He still took four sacks in his NFL debut. 
And last week, the Houston Texans played against one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the NFL in Lamar Jackson and kind of gave him some fits. Uh, Four sacks, forced a fumble, recovered a fumble, and also got an interception against Lamar Jackson. So while this team is still susceptible to opposing rushing attacks, I believe, I believe they've taken on the identity of D'Amico Ryans on the defensive side of the football. So do I still think that they can get to Anthony Richardson, who's probably going to hold the ball here and there and then take some sacks because he wants to create with his legs? It's kind of the same argument with, you know, whether it be Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, any of these great dual threat players that never want to give up on a play. I could see the Houston Texans getting to Anthony Richardson three or four times in this contest. So I'm okay with the Houston Texans. At $3,600 being my defense. I, I think this is your best call of the week. I'm going on record and saying that this is the Derek Tate special. I, I like this. If I have enough money to pay up, like I went the 49ers top of the bar or Bears way bottom. If I have enough money in the bank to do this, I love where you're going here. Nobody's going to go to the Texans because A, we think the Texans are terrible, which they probably are. But B, because of the sixth priced or the sixth most expensive defense, you got their name in between the likes of the Bills, the 49ers, the Chargers, some teams that we think are really, really good. People are going to see the Texans there and they're like, ah, I don't want any of that. But you're right. As good as Anthony Richardson is, he's going to run into problems. Like it's just part of the learning curve and his athletic profile makes him more susceptible to that. You had the cojones to put him on the list. Give you credit for that. I like that call. That is a Soppy and Derek Tate approved call with the Houston Texans at your defense. Stamp it, baby. Boy, there is nothing better than hearing Soppy agree with the I last like it. call of I the like entire it. podcast and saying he approves. I'm with it. What's your hot take of the week as we sign off here? Yeah, before we get out of here, I think T. Higgins, after lighting all your money on fire last week, seeing eight targets, seeing the target share, all that stuff was great. He didn't score a point. I think he wins somebody a million dollars this week. I think he's going to be a skeleton key in there. People are going to pivot off of him because of what we saw last week. In week one last season, he only saw two targets. He followed it up with 10 targets and a touchdown. So put me down, put me on the board, 10 targets and a touchdown for T. Higgins. Week two for the second consecutive week when nobody's willing to play him. Yeah, so if you're going with T. Higgins, and I like that. That's spicy. That's like, you know, taking the lighter and, and you know, lighting the microphone on, on a little bit of, you know, sure. sparks flying off there. Soppy, I like it. I'm going to go ahead and douse this thing in gasoline and maybe burn down my whole set. When I say I'm calling Justin Fields, finding pay dirt on the ground twice against Ooh. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. Two times, twice. So I, I think that the Chicago Bears, they present an opportunity because I believe the Buccaneers are going to try to heat up Justin Fields. And while I think that they'll have some success because – Fields takes sacks, but Fields is also going to get him on the other end. They're going to, he's going to push the ball down the field, whether it is DJ Moore or even Darnell Mooney, who had a nice week one. I still think that Justin Fields is going to create all kinds of problems for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass rush and create with his legs. I'm thinking I'm, I'm call, I'm going out on a limb here saying rushes for over 65 yards. Ooh. And two scores. Okay, one question for you before we get out of here. That you mentioned DJ Moore in your receiver player pool. Are you going to stack more with Fields, or if you think Fields could have a big rushing day, are you playing them separately in different lineups to get exposure both ways? Understanding that if Fields does what you think he's going to do on the ground, there's only so much for Moore to eat 
through the passing game. I'm curious, are you stacking them or are you running with a naked Jay, or, uh, Fields in this matchup? So I'm actually, I would love to stack them. So I okay. mean, as much as I, I know that I was going with the stack earlier in this one, just because I think that there's a higher probability that the Jags and Kansas City Chiefs is going to be sure. a higher scoring game altogether, right? I could see Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence going tit for tat. With I hope another. so. So I, I hope so too. But Justin Fields, though, I believe he shows us all. I mean, it was, it was, an, it was, it wasn't a terrible week one fantasy wise for him. No. Because he still, you know, ran for, what was it, like 50 yards, 59 yards, 49 yards, somewhere in that range. I apologize. It's going off the top of my head. But I, there's so much meat on the bone as far as through the air. And I've seen DJ Moore do this to this Buccaneer secondary in the past. I just think that Moore's going to eat. He's going to be the feature player in the passing attack. I think he gets his big set of plays. And Fields gives the Bucks all kinds of problems. And I, I think they it. have issues getting to the quarterback in week number two. I so it. there we go. And again, this is the end of this week two DFS podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, go ahead and sound off in the comments. Who's your stack of the week? Let Soppy and I know. Do you like some of Tater's specials or are you just going to fill out every uh, lineup with every single one of Soppy's picks? That's probably the safer bet. But Let's if you do have it. not yet done so, go ahead and subscribe, click the like button, Click the bell so you get the ding, ding, ding every single time that we drop a new video and any of the fantasy football content over on pfnfantasy.com, which we have a start, sit, optimizer. We have a trade analyzer. We also go live at 11 a.m. all the way till 1230, whether it be here on the YouTube channel or at 1130 over at on Twitter where Kyle Yates, the great Kyle Yates, who is recovering with his voice is going to be taking your ask me anything start sick questions on Sunday mornings and soppy himself will be live taking your questions at 12 PM. So soppy, any thoughts before we sign off? No, this sounds good. Check out. We've got a same game parlay article for tonight's game going up on the website. So play that it's five to one. Maybe you hit that and fund your DFS weekend. So Let's have a good game tonight, a good start to week two, and print some money on the DFS streets for the weekend on the main slate. Absolutely. And if you are, wherever you're listening to your podcast, please subscribe. Give us a five-star review. That's all we ask as we pump out all the content here on PFN Fantasy Channel. Until next time, for Kyle Sappy, I'm Derek Tate. Later says the Tater.